Lindsay Clausen and I just filmed Life with Lindsay Clausen with three amazing women. Maria, who is a cancer survivor of two years. Angela, who is the director of Making Strides Foundation. And Candace, who owns Evolve Kickboxing. I hope you guys all enjoy it. Hello, ladies. How are you? We're good. How are Hello. you? Good. So this is Maria, who is a breast cancer survivor, amazing, of two years now. Two years, yes. This is Angela, who is in charge of, you're the director. I am the director for the American Cancer Society. So amazing. Thank you for coming. You're welcome. And Candice, who owns a fitness studio, studio called Evolve. Yes. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Thank you for being here. So when I heard about Walking Strides for Breast Cancer, I knew I wanted to be a part of it because Fed Up Kitchen is all about health and helping create new healthy lifestyles for people. And that comes with, you know, that's the foundation of bettering your life, bettering your, your body. And um, so I thought it'd be really cool to have you ladies on here and kind of talk about what you do and how did you even start all of this? Sure. Um, so I so I'm coming up actually on five years at the American Cancer Society. And I started, um, like most people, I have a personal connection to cancer. And I was like, okay, like I've spent a career in nonprofit and an opportunity. I actually got recruited off of LinkedIn oh. um, from them. And I was like, this, this is perfect. And I started managing uh, a big golf event that happens every May here in Las Vegas. And in 2021, moved into the director role here. And it really, it's just, you know, this walk specifically, we're raising funds for breast cancer research and programs. But throughout the year, it's making a difference. It's funding research, providing programs for people and their families who are fighting cancer so that we can have them a little bit longer so we can make more survivors like Maria. Yes. So what does American Cancer Society think about nutrition and eating whole foods? Um, nutrition is actually one of our, we probably have a page dedicated to it on our websites, um, really on taking care of yourself. So eating healthy, um, there's been ties to, you know, sugar and sodas, um, to a lot of cancers and those pieces like that. So, um, it's very important for us with nutrition, um, as well as, as being active when you can be, um, it helps reduce that burden. Unfortunately, you know, cancer doesn't discriminate is what we tell everybody. And, Current data is showing one in two men and one in three women in their lifetime will be diagnosed with cancer. Wow. So things like eating healthy, staying active, taking care of your health on those pieces may help reduce that risk. But if you are one of the people that gets diagnosed, it'll help through that treatment process as well. Which is amazing. And I couldn't agree more that eating healthy is a foundation of, I mean, really everything. But what blows my mind, if I can be a little bit honest, is when you are a patient and you go in and you're diagnosed with cancer, they give you garbage. They give you jello. They give you all these chemicalized foods that are going to not only harm you, but I mean, make your cancer grow, right? So I'm just always shocked about that. I'm, yeah. Why are they um, not getting the best of the best nutrition? And I think some of that is, you know, and, and Maria can probably speak to this, and going through treatment, it's really like what your stomach can tolerate. So um, a lot of vegetables, things like that that are fibrous are a lot harder for digestion as well as a lot of meat. Gelatin is, is something really simple and easy to kind of take some of that nausea piece away. Um, and it's quick for hydration as well. So a lot of that piece, um, you know, you can – with chemotherapy, sometimes you get sores in your mouth. So it's what are you able to eat? What are you able to get down? Um, and really looking at those pieces to it as well. And it's just, you know, sometimes it's not always the best thing, but if it's what you can manage to get into your system and keep down, you know, they're, they're looking at that piece too. Because they have healthy options, even for Jello, like natural grocers at the health food store that are non-artificial and chemical. So I would just think that people like that, that really are close to dying, they need better food than any of us need to be eating, right? So I would just think that they would get better care, especially with how much money it even costs. I mean, cancer is expensive, I'm sure you know. And so I would just think that they would be able to have this amazing regimen for people that um, need the best foods possible. I mean, you tell me about what you went through because you're the one that went through it all. Well, at one of my first chemo sessions, what I noticed is the nurses would come around with a tray of cookies and chips and you could have Gatorade or, or water or, or coffee or tea or whatever 
junk food. I would pack my own lunch and bring my own food. But you don't really know what your body's going to respond to until you're there. You know, the foods, if you, just like you said, my daughter is a vegan and she said, mom, we're changing your diet. And I went vegan and I ended up giving myself, um, I don't, I don't want to say polyps, but they were an irritation in my intestines because I was eating too much fiber, Mm. lentil soups and things like that. Um, it's, you have to know your body. You have to know your body and know what is going to work for it and understand. But I, food plays a huge part in all of this because you see the ones that are eating better are the healthier ones with the most energy and the ones that don't eat right maybe because they don't know maybe because they're not educated Mm. uh, maybe because they don't care and you watch them wither away Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if you don't have your eyes open by watching what happens to these people's bodies then you're blind because it's right there staring you in the face, you know. It would be really nice if they had a specialist come in and could cater to each individual, because you're saying everybody's body is affected differently with these foods. So what if they had somebody that could offer that to them and give them samples, okay, this is going to be good for you, not good for you, and then you kind of can build your diet plan around those foods that are going to heal your body instead of make you sicker. I mean, that'd be a really cool solution. So there are books that you can read. There's Mm -hmm. one book that I have gone um, by. It's called Eat Right for Your Blood Type. Mm. People don't even know what their blood type is. Mm -hmm. It's so important to know. Um, I'm B positive. I'm a a meat eater, you know, based on the book. Um, And when I follow that, I feel fantastic. When I introduce more carbs and sometimes sugars, my body doesn't like it and you have to be conscious of that otherwise you're feeding the disease yeah and it's a Mm -hmm. dis-ease in your body Mm -hmm. you really have to pay attention to the way your body is responding everything and my daughter said you know with the vegan veganism you know you're going to heal and you're going to this and that well i i don't know if it actually helped or not but i had stage 4a thyroid cancer and that's when i went to the vegan and I didn't do any of the radiated iodine they wanted me to do. I just prayed to God, you know, mm-hmm. and changed my diet and changed my mindset. And then 10 months later, I had the th- the breast cancer. And it was like, just get this out of my body. Let's just get it out. I'm yeah. done. I'm done with this. You're in me. I want you out. And I didn't own it. I only know the prescriptions that I'm on now. I don't know the prescriptions that they put me on. I didn't. I didn't want to own those, mm-hmm. but for everything, for nausea, for eating, for sleeping, you know, for anxiety, mm-hmm. they're so fast to write you mm-hmm. a prescription. Ching, ching. Yeah. And I did yep. one thing. I don't know if I could say it on here, but I'm a cannabis user in every form. And I was able to get off lorazepam for sleep, mm. whatever that pill was to eat, um, Lexapro for my anxiety. And, you know, that's awesome. I have to use it to eat. You know, if I don't, I can't, I have no appetite. Mm -hmm. And my doctor said, you know, you're the anomaly. Everybody else is either underweight or overweight or getting sicker or, you know, you're my star patient. What are you doing? And I tell them. Mm -hmm. And they don't don't like it. (laughs) Oh, because they're not going to make any money from that, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) Because we know that the pharmaceutical world makes, I mean billion dollar you know industry do you want to know how much my chemo treatment was how much just the chemo was three hundred sixty five thousand dollars i had because my breast cancer was um her two positive uh ductal carcinoma is what i had um forgive me because i lose my train of thought sometimes um that was my thyroid cancer and then I think I said already 10 months later I had my Mm -hmm, breast cancer mm -hmm. but forgive me tell me where I was going yes we're talking about the $365,000 for your chemo yes okay so the breast cancer the two medications were Herceptin and Pergetta Pergetta I got a grant from the pharmaceutical company for $129,000 oh the other one was $127,000 wow 
and that's just for the different medications. That's just for two medications. For two of that the is mind blowing hormone blocker. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's a nasty game that mm-hmm. you play with, you know, the thyroid cancer. My mindset changed. I beat it. How I beat it, I don't know. I had five lymph nodes removed, and four were four A. Jeez. And I asked the surgeon, how do I make sure this doesn't come back? And he is, you talk to your endocrinologist. And he said, you need to do eight radiated iodine. I said, I don't want to do that. And then he said, knowing you, you're going to blame not doing that treatment on getting breast cancer, and they're not related. And I'm thinking, okay, so if I do chemo, it's going to get rid of every cancer in my body. No, it doesn't work that way. Wow. And you don't know any of this. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Yeah, you just start to learn as you go through the process. I mean, if... The thing is, it, they do make a lot of money during this process, right? And I feel like they want to kind of keep you sicker going through that. I know that sounds so harsh because it is a business. Yes, there are doctors that care about you. That's truth. But if you're healthy like me, you're not going to make a dime off of me. But if you're super sick and they keep you sick, if you die, they're not going to make any money. That's right. But if they keep you sick, that's where the big money's coming mm-hmm. in. Unfortunately, and it's it's horrible to say this, but... I mean, the more people you talk to, they totally understand it. And you lived through it. So you, you know, you're somebody that totally gets to see it firsthand. It's, it's just, it's a mess of doctors and insurance. And, <laughs> it, you know, uh, are you sick enough to have this procedure? And if you're not, you know, I befriended a girl that was in, in therapy with me and in, in uh, chemotherapy with me. And she had one breast removed and the insurance wouldn't, pay for her to have a PET scan, which you need to have during your treatments to make sure that it's not spreading. I mean, you have heart scans, you have scans for your whole body. You have, I mean, you're a specimen, you know, to them and the insurance wouldn't cover her to have her scan and it metastasized to her brain. Wow. And she passed away four months ago. Oh, wow. And why wouldn't they cover it? The insurance didn't feel that she was sick enough mm. to get a PET scan. And um, I have another friend, the one that we just came from the funeral last week. Um, he was going neck and neck with me on healing, and we were kind of in competition. You know, we're, we're doing this together. And he went experimental some other way, and he passed away. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get survivor's remorse. You know, I've gone through two cancers, and why am I still here? My sister had cancer, you know, 23 years ago, and I, we lost her. That was my first loss of seeing what cancer does. But yes. back then, the treatments were different than they are now. And when I saw her go through that, I said, "I if I ever get sick, I'll never do it. Never. Totally. I get the chills because when I saw my mom go through it, I, I just can't even imagine, especially how harsh hers was. Um, you know, she got diagnosed stage four stomach cancer, and they gave her four to six months, and she was gone in two and a half months, and it was just a shock to our whole family because my mom was like, if you knew her, she was the Energizer Bunny. She had so much energy. She's the one that taught me about help. She's the reason I love health and fitness. And we thought mom's living until she's 100 years old, you know. But um, she got really sick. She lost 20 pounds really fast. She was already 100 pounds. She was five foot, just always in shape. But she got really thin really fast. We, We didn't know what to look for. We've never studied cancer. How would we even know? Now you look, that's one of the number one things is weight loss. And her stomach was bowing out, and um, we're thinking gallbladder. We don't know. We don't really go to the doctor, you guys. I was born at home. My mom had a lot of us at home. I had my kids at home. So we're just very natural family to, to start with. We just never would check on that stuff. And so we took her in, and once they tested the fluid and found the cancer cells, they're like, it's stage four. And we're just like, huh? <laughs> Wait, what? Cancer? And then stage four? I mean, just blindsided us. And she had 12 kids, so we were just devastated. Um, and so fast, just watching her body deteriorate like that and seeing that she could only eat, I mean, little two-ounce portions at a time. I mean, she was starving to death. And uh, she went to, to chemo one-on-one because you get to learn about it because she was debating it. And she's like, she walked out and she goes, hell no, am I doing it? Because she knew it's like setting a bomb off in your body. And her body wouldn't have been able to survive through that anyways. And she would have been so freaking sick the last few weeks of her life. So she chose not to. Um but yeah, watching her go through that, I just, it was very, very traumatic to watch somebody suffer yeah. like that was very difficult. And see, 
when people don't go to the doctor, when they don't get a physical, yes. you never know. And if you don't know your body, if you don't know what makes your body feel good and what makes your body feel sick, yeah, you keep doing it. And, you know, I had a nephew who passed away from colon cancer. Mm. You know, he says, I don't feel good. I'm just going to change my diet. He started eating a bunch of fruit. And two weeks later, he was gone. Whoa. He was Dang. 47. Oh, I get the chills. And you don't know. And, you know, I was having issues with my thyroid not too long ago, and it turned out to be medication because the insurance company raised the price on my levothyroxine, which was a, a liquid gel. They wouldn't cover it. It went up to $364 a month. So they switched me to a tablet. My body didn't regulate, and I got really sick because your thyroid regulates your temperature, you know, your, your digestion, so many things. And I went to the doctor, and you know, in my mind, I'm thinking it's back. It's, you know, because my oncologists have said, if it comes back, you're not going to win. And how are you going to tell me what I'm not going to, what that I'm going to so do? That is so wrong. Like, yeah. So fighting words. Wrong. No kidding. <laughs> like, the doctors can even say that to yeah. you. know that does to you mentally too? Exactly. And that is powerful so stuff. I went through breast cancer during COVID. Okay. Wow. So June, 2019, I had my thyroid removed and I was still recovering when COVID came. In the middle of COVID, I got diagnosed with the breast cancer. People who had going, who were going through chemo before COVID started, they had to stop and go Whoa. through it again. And those patients, a lot of them died. And so when I got diagnosed, it was like, I just want this out of me, mm -hmm. get it out of me, mm -hmm. you know? And so we did video calls because we couldn't go into the, to the office. Only time I could go to the office was when I was going for treatment. Wow. And the doctor is looking at my, I'm telling him I'm having headaches, you know, um, I'm, my equilibrium is off, it's causing nausea. And he does this, oh, it metastasized to your brain. This is my oncologist in a video appointment. And I about died. Of course. And then he stopped and he's like, okay, well, we're not going to think that right now. We're going to send you for a scan. Why would he even say that? He should have never even spoken those words because those little seeds get planted oh, in your sure. head and you hold on to that mm -hmm. then you don't sleep at night. Mm -hmm. I grind my teeth so bad at night that I broke um, my teeth under the bridge. So now I'm healing from, because I was going for blood work mm -hmm. the night before and I grind so bad from anxiety. Yeah, of course. They call it scanxiety, yep. you know, oh, God. It's, yeah. it's a real thing. Wow. And, you know, I see healers that actually live here in Las Vegas and, you know, exercise and things like that. And they've helped me remove the metals and toxins out of my body from chemo. That's amazing. But yeah. if you don't know where they are and you don't know they exist. Exa yep. Yep. It's interesting. You mentioned too, with, you know, with getting the screenings and things, you know, COVID did a number and there was probably a good 60 to 80% decline in just regular screenings. And it's going to be a good decade till we see how badly that affects the diagnoses, like instead of catching it at stage one, are we catching more stage four cancers mm -hmm. and the treatment pieces to it? And, you know, I always tell her, I was like, look, it's nobody loves to go get a mammogram. But if you look at the alternatives, go get your mammogram every year, like make it, you know, like our big campaign is like, grab your girls, like make it a fun, like, let's all go get our mammograms done or something, See, that you know, and it, it makes it, you know, it makes such a difference. And one of my favorite stories from our walk um, we had a lady who, like, a friend of hers was going through treatment. She's like, oh, I'll come to the walk and support you. And between all of the messaging at the walk and all of that, she's like, you know, I had never went for a mammogram. And she went, and they found cancer. And she's Whoa. now a survivor. She's one of our survivor speakers at a lot of events. And it's just, like, it's those moments where we're like, okay, like, she was at our event, and it made a difference. And we were, able, you know, like, she was able to get the care she needed. And I'm like, it's, you know not even 10 minutes when you're back there. It's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Go get it done. How often yeah. do you think that women should get one? I'm going to tell you the truth. I've never gotten one. So if there's not a history of breast cancer in your family, mm -hmm. starting at age 45, it's an annual mammogram. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a family history or you have a prior history, then your doctor will probably recommend earlier. Okay. Um, and then too, with a lot of like the HER2, um, with some of the genetic pieces to it. They can do genetic testing. So um, you can do genetic counseling. And a lot of people, like Angelina Jolie was one. She had all of the, the key genetic factors. And she was just like, I'll you know, get a mastectomy. I'll get a hysterectomy. Like just, I'll do preventive care yeah, on yeah. that piece. Um, 
So yeah, so starting at 45, an annual mammogram, okay. and it's so you know, about six years. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I guess I was like, yeah, it's a little uncomfortable, but it's well, not because nobody wants to go yeah. in there and get told that they have it. I mean, I think that's the right. biggest fear, like yeah. to go in there and actually find out you've got cancer. Yeah. I mean, that's a big thing it's, to hear. I've told myself, what I do I want to know? Yeah. <laughs> really, and do I want to know if I did? It's so funny. Like she talked about skin anxiety. So I thankfully have not had breast cancer, but from that time you have your mammogram to like that letter comes in the mail that says like, you're good to go for another year. Like you, you you're, there's that little piece in your mind, like, is it going to be this, you know? Yeah. Well, because one in love. three women or, you know, like you that's it, you're on your own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a lot of people have said like, you think like, yeah, like, will you ever find it? Cause sometimes breasts can be lumpy and you notice the difference. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the self-exam monthly in the shower Important. is like, you know, like, Very you know important. how they feel. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your spouse knows how they feel. Sometimes yeah. it's the spouse that finds it. They're like, something wow. feels off. So, you know, and people laugh at that. And I was like, hey, if they're touching them, they know what yeah, feels they normal. Know. That's awesome. I so. think, too, a lot of it has to do with you have to, us as, like, women in general, we have to start being confident in knowing that we need to take self-care, right? Because there's there's several issues that we're talking about right now, right? Whether it's food they have to know that they deserve to eat healthy and that they should take care of themselves whether it's going into the doctor like especially with middle-aged moms or busy workers like they they don't it's always i'll handle myself later i'll handle Mm -hmm. myself later Mm -hmm. i'll feed myself healthy later i will you know and then you have the people too who when they do finally get in to a doctor the confidence isn't there of the doctor mm-hmm. right or maybe it's like oh, i'm not really sure if i should trust these people i'm not sure if i shouldn't trust these people um i think there's a lot of of different issues and how many have gone to an actual doctor and got a physical and they might look fit right somebody like you or somebody like me who exercises all the time and you tell the doctor that you're active mm-hmm. and they're like you don't need this you're you're healthy mm. i mean my friend who just passed away he went in every year for his physicals and every year they told him you're fine you're like the fittest healthiest looking person i know and he had to be adamant that something was wrong he had several doctors tell him you're fine everything looks fine and he wasn't and by the time he pushed finally a doctor was like you know what uh, just for your peace of mind, you don't need it. We're going to send you in for a colonoscopy. I'm telling you, you don't need it, but I need you off my back. Can I ask what he felt was off about his body? What was he Well, feeling? what was happening was he was actually a runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was my, my training partner. Oh. And I started beating him in the runs. And so we would laugh because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm just getting so good. <laughs> I was getting good, but it wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. And then he had to stop and use the restroom a lot. So he was having blood in his stool when he mm. in the middle of run. So it was actually his physical routine. Mm-hmm. So the doctors were like, it's your diet. You're eating something wrong. But this he ate so clean, yeah. so healthy. So they were like, it's too much this. It's too much that. He kept pushing something was wrong. He went in for a colonoscopy. And the day of the colonoscopy, they were like, you have cancer. You need to go now. Whoa. And they didn't even want to give him the colonoscopy mm-hmm. because they – had the impression when he walked in that he was fit. So I think that happens on both sides, right? We have people who look like they're physically fit, so we assume that they eat healthy and that they know what they're doing. And then we have the opposite end where it's like, oh, you must have a thousand things wrong. They say things like, you know, it's masticizing your brain. And it's like, I think just the whole system. And I think what needs to happen is us as females and humans in general we have to start learning that we have to take care of ourselves. And you it's okay. It's okay to go get checked. It's okay to push the questions. It's okay to say, I could be healthy. I could take care of myself. It, it's okay to spend an hour away from my family and take yeah. care of me. Like, I think, I think that's a lot of it. It is. Uh, I tell everybody, you have to be your own advocate um, because you're right. You know your body and you know, sometimes, like, I tell everybody, I was like, you don't have to stick with your first doctor. If you don't like that doctor, if you don't get a great feeling from them, you don't think they're hearing you, go find another doctor. Yeah. And, you know, I had, I was having health issues in the past, and I went, and they're like, oh, you're just getting older, so, like, your body's <laughs> going to be slower. And I'm like, something doesn't feel, I was like, I, like, I am active. I am physically active. I walk my dogs every day. Like, I work out. I eat pretty well. Like, not all of the time, but, you know, and I was like, no, something feels off. Like, I'm not 
okay. And that she was just like, mm, sugar's poison. Stop eating your sugar. You'll be fine. And I'm like, and I, like, my husband was with me and I left and he's like, do you need to like hit me to feel better? Because I can tell you're frustrated. <laughs> And I tell everyone, you know, like prior to coming into this role at American Cancer Society, I did a lot of patient advocacy work. And you have to fight for, it's your body, it's your health. Mm -hmm. And if you're not fighting for it, nobody else is going to. Yeah. So you have to say like, I may be healthy, but I, I want this screening and this, yeah. you know, and really push for it because it'll make, it'll make a huge difference. Like had they done it, you know, a year ago when he started pushing, would it yeah. have made a difference? Oh, yeah. yeah. We think about it with my mom too, just because she never went in because we never went to the doctor growing up. If she would have went a couple of pr years prior, she Absolutely. probably would have because we look back at photos oh. or just even thinking about mom at parties, always grabbing her hip. She would yeah. say, oh, it's just gas pains. It's just gas pains. Her stomach was always hurting her. I mean, all the time you'd catch her grabbing her sides. And um, the, can the doctor said it was embedded in her years prior. Mm -hmm. I mean, that tumor to grow like that. So, yeah, if she would have maybe listened to her body, not just thought gas pains, you know, um, who knows? I mean, of course, we can't go back in time, but it's a good learning lesson for her 12, you know, 12 children. Like we can change the ways now uh, instead of waiting too long. Or if you do feel something off in your body, we need to, you know, trust ourselves and our internal instinct with just feeling like something's off. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, like I said, they're afraid. I think a lot of people, are, do I really want to know that there's something wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Like, no, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody ever is going to be like, I can't wait to hear that yeah. bad news. But I would rather know and be able to figure out how to treat it mm -hmm. than, than not know and be, you know, you know, be ignored. And, you know, like every one of us sitting here has a story on someone we lost. Yeah. And, you know, like it, it, you know, for me, it was my grandfather. And I was in college and he had his voice box removed from throat cancer. And like, wow. we made a deal and him and I quit smoking together when he mm. was going in for that. And, you know, I had him for 20 more years after that, but he was cool. like other cancer ended up taking his life. And I was telling her and I said, I look back. So that was 93. And I can't remember what his voice sounded like. Mm. And I was talking to a lady. She's like, oh, my mom had throat cancer three years ago and they were able to save her voice box. And I was like, okay, like, here we go. This is why I do what I do. Yeah. Somewhere in that 20 years, it's we made a, a difference. Yes. And like with breast cancer, in the, since 1989, there's been a 43% decline in breast cancer-related deaths. Wow. So, you know, we're, whether it's, you know, people are getting their screenings, advancement in treatments, like we're making that difference from, you know, even when our parents were growing up and going through that. And mammograms are a lot easier now, like they have a 3D thing that just like loops around you and it's like <laughs> can they it. tell immediately or do they have to um they they can see they can see okay. but so the they technician they're won't not tell allowed you. to say yeah. yeah okay but i mean like for me you know we're in vegas and it's hot and i'm walking around in a tank top right and my boobs are sagging so i'm going like this <laughs> and mm -hmm. i'm feeling something and mm -hmm, i'm like mm -hmm. that doesn't feel right mm. so i told my husband i Did need it you hurt? to feel this no mm. and he goes well back up when I was 18 I had a tumor in my breast mm. and they cut the areola sorry they cut the areola and went in and just took it out and it was benign mm. or it was benign is it's cancer free yeah it's yeah. cancer free okay so it was benign um and so every year since I was 18 I'm having mammograms however because we started our own business we didn't have insurance so I didn't go for two years mm -hmm. and then I found the lump and I told my husband what are we going to do? The insurance was over $2,000 a month for us privately. So I had to go get Medicaid, mm -hmm, Medicaid, mm -hmm. Medicare, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And they covered my, you know, my thyroid cancer surgery and all that. But for this, you know, we had to pay out of pocket. And <clears throat> you're like, you're looking at money and I'm crying, you know, I'm going to die because we can't afford to help me live. Yeah. And my husband said, don't think yourself sick. We know what we're dealing with. And the reason why I chose to do chemo was because of the statistics, because I was stage two. And my doctor said, you have a fantastic chance. You know, we can just go in and get it. We can do, you know, one. Then the questions were, are you going to do implants? Are you going to do reconstruction? If you do reconstruction, I would still be going through it now because one of my other girlfriends, she got breast cancer maybe two months after me she's still going through reconstruction wow. they just 
She had to gain weight so they could get fat from her body, so they could create breasts. And now she's not healing as properly as she should be so that they can go back in to create her areolas and her nipple from skin grafts. And that's not free. I mean, that is money, 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 money. Mm -hmm. Every time you go in for surgery. And so. my surgeon, when I told her I'm going to, I'm opting for double mastectomy because I carried the AT mutated gene for breast cancer, but it was, you know, not maybe less than 10%, which means that I got breast cancer from my environment. Mm -hmm. And I was telling her that I used to be a triathlete. So I'm, you know, training on my bike. I'm swimming every day. I would put my cell phone down my sports bra. Mm. And so when they say you have breast cancer, well, how the hell did I get it? Where did it come from? Is it what I'm eating, drinking, putting on my skin, you know, nail polish, lotions, shampoo? Where did it come from? How did I get this? And then you start thinking, well, okay, I would put my cell phone down my breath, my my sports bra, and I'm, I can't help but think that maybe that had something to do with it. You hear about men getting testicular cancer because they keep their cell phones in their pocket, mm -hmm. and people don't believe that cell phones emit as much radiation as they do. Also, the the um, earbuds that are wireless, mm. radiation, radiation, radiation. And I've known somebody who's already had a brain tumor from that. Wow. And it's like the government has to know what they're doing. They know what they're putting in our food. Mm. You know, they know what's in our water. They know what we're eating. They still let us eat it. It's and, so crazy. you know, it has cost us a tremendous amount of money to keep me healthy, not to mention the medications, but the meat that I eat is only organic now. Mm -hmm. Um you know, the vegetables are all organic. I have to soak them in a, my own way to get the mm -hmm, pesticides mm -hmm. or whatever else is remaining before yeah. I, you know, it's hard to go out and eat. You don't know where they're getting their meat. What they say is, is it really what you're getting? Yeah. You know, anything, your food, your juices, the plastics, you know, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And I think they're finally becoming, people are finally becoming knowledgeable about the things that are becoming toxic to our bodies. Yeah, because they just don't know. A lot of people just don't even know what they're consuming, and they don't even know where to start with health. Like, you guys know what I do for a living. I help people create a new lifestyle with healthy foods. And so many people don't even know where to start because of their upbringing and what they're raised on. And, um, you know, the convenience factor, I'd say, is the main part, too. Yeah. People need convenience, and what's out there that's convenient? Garbage, mm -hmm. chemicalized, processed foods that are just everywhere. I mean, all the fast food joints and now DoorDash, so it's even easier to eat and people don't want to cook. And so thank goodness the people that do want a new lifestyle, they come to Fed Up Kitchen and uh, we give them good whole foods. We do green smoothies and you know awesome treats that are healthy, made with stevia that comes from a plant or monk fruit. So we try to use really good ingredients because you know food is key. It's the foundation for everything. everything. For, feeling good, for building your self-confidence, for having more energy to be with your children, and most importantly, to change that cycle for our children. Because so many kids are seeing what their parents are eating, they're going to grow up not wanting healthy foods because they never even got a chance to try them. Right. If you let your kids try healthy food from the very start in life, they're going to love them. Yep. And who cares if they're the weirdo, weirdo at school? <laughs> yes, let's be the weirdos that bring all the you know healthy foods. I told Aaron, my boyfriend, for Halloween, we're giving out water bottles. And do you know how many people thanked me one year for water because they were eating all the junk walking around? Thank you. I was so thirsty. Wow, that's a great idea. Yeah, give out little, Costco has those little water bottles. Yeah. You can give those out and people will be grateful for them. There's already so much candy. Why are we giving out more garbage? Right. <laughs> that's why I don't like Halloween. But anyways. <laughs> I got yelled at by the neighbor the other day because I, ha I have an 8-year-old and a 13-year-old. Mm -hmm. And I needed someone to watch the kids. So I was like, hey, can you watch them real quick? And she's a great friend. And I, I got home and my son was so happy. He was like, mom. I'm like, what? He's like, you've been holding out on me. I'm like, what did I hold out on you? What did I do? He's like, there's something called Lucky Charm. <laughs> and she was so mad. She was like, Candace, how is he ate and never had cereal? And I was like, was she awesome. was like, you're, she was just joking, but she was like, you're such a bad mom. I'm like, I'm a bad huh. mom for not, I mean, she was joking, okay. but it was like, I'm a bad mom for not, yeah. you know what I mean? Feeding him that. And I told her, I said, you know, honestly, 
it's not that I don't feed them these foods. I don't eat like that. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I never buy you them. Yeah. You can't and eat. they yep. don't, it's just like you said, the kids, they don't know. Yeah. He would choose a, like, Oatmeal he would choose cr- fish over yeah. like yeah. a chicken finger any yeah. day because he cool. doesn't know the difference. Mm-hmm. At some point, I'm going to be in trouble. But yeah. um, I think like you're saying, like the food is really important. And I think it's a huge thing to change the kids like they have to see the yes. parents but when you're talking about like earlier with the the cancer patients right and like the food that they're giving them i think a lot of that also has to do with the support system around them right their families the bringing families in. Yes. are a huge support in the situations that i've seen right the families are doing everything they can to keep these patients and keep their loved ones healthy and it's a full-time job to be a caregiver they don't have the time to cook all of these meals they're they're yeah. exhausted yeah. But nor and, can you stand the smell of it cooking right mm-hmm. and <laughs> when you're sick if they were never taught because where yeah where do people learn this like that's my biggest thing is yeah. like nobody is teaching people healthy not nobody but in school right you, you don't learn that no so you know what they're eating in school it's, it's bad it's all carbon sugar mm-hmm. yeah it's mm-hmm. bad so I think there's there's a lot with food that that plays a part and I think especially with the people who are going through chemo and they do have that family support system the families don't know how f- important food is totally because they don't do it themselves right they yeah. don't do it themselves the nutrition yep. part out they need, of correct. your information yep so you you're talking about so having crazy. like a, a specialist to like help individual I think it would be great if they had a specialist to help the family yeah let's just educate you really quickly yes. on this person's super sick how can we with food maximize their health yes because they're going to need every ounce of energy they have so Mm -hmm. i think it'd be great to have a a food specialist for the people going through it but i think even more important those patients are sick they're not the ones cooking it needs to to be the family family. that is so smart that is such a great idea yeah it is i think another piece i've noticed too and, and even in prior work is like income and food deserts, right? So even in this city, if you go to certain grocery stores in certain areas, the produce section is tiny. Mm. And, you know, so what is available for them? And then like, great, you tell them to buy fruits and vegetables, do they know how to prepare it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, or what to do with it? Because, you know, great, like I got, you know, all of this broccoli, what do I do with it? (laughs) And you know, so even like past, like, hey, they should eat healthy, like giving them the basic, t- like, you know, and, and I don't mean it to be, but like, how do, how do you cook these things? And, you know, if, if children especially are not used to eating a lot of vegetables, like, you know, like I have an alternative introducing we it make to green them and, smoothies. You know? mm-hmm. So right? you add in a bunch of the superfoods, all those greens. Nobody wants to just eat those. It takes a long time. But if you can blend them all, that's what we do at Fed Up Kitchen. Use water for the base. You don't need juice because you add in then some organic apples or blueberries and it sweetens mm-hmm. up to where you can drink now all those nutrients going into your body. That's the first thing I drink when I wake up in the morning. I want all those Me greens too. going into my body. And so I've changed people's minds with them because I'm like, I'll ask, you know, on a consultation, have you ever had a smoothie, a green smoothie? let's say tropical smoothie and I start laughing because they don't even know tropical smoothie that is pure sugar this is whole foods vegetables and fruits that you get to drink and they get addicted they feel such a difference that first week drinking green smoothies vitality and their digestive system and everything just starts working food is so dang powerful and, and people start to realize that once they come off of the typical American diet, eating, you know, all the chemicalized garbage and starting to eat clean and realizing how easy it really can be. And I know a lot of people, of course, the cooking and all, it's a lot of work. Like you were saying, nobody knows how. Luckily, um, you know, we're in business because people don't know how and people can come to us when they are ready to change their lifestyle. It's not a diet. You're creating a new lifestyle for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the way you feel is, is the best part. So, I mean, food is key for everything else. It a thousand times. I used it's to so use powerful. the analogy of when I used to coach track at school, I would tell the kids, you have to eat because it's like gasoline and water's mm-hmm. like gasoline to your body. You're going to put diesel in your engine. It's not going to run. So stop putting sugar in there. Yes. You know, use the water and eat healthy. And that's going to be the good gasoline. It's going to give you the energy. But and what's the school and the vending machines? Pop. It's chips, bad. all the stuff. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite commercials, I, I saw it 
uh, it's the mom. There's two moms at the soccer field and their kids are playing. And she's like talking to the other mom. She's like, I just don't know why Jimmy is is just struggling in the game. He's going so slow. Like he sucks. And <laughs> she's talking really bad. And then the camera shoots to it and he's like, a hamburger and the kid that the mom was like oh my kid's doing great and he's like a piece of broccoli and they're like running around I and love it. it was like the whole concept was that's what the kids yes. ate the night before you are what you eat and so it was funny because it was like and I laugh at that every day because it's so true mm-hmm. like we don't understand why we're sluggish or hurting or depressed they don't, or pay, moody. Atten- totally. they don't pay attention the mental to fogginess right. too the the mental clarity that will switch when you start giving your body those foods is amazing and everybody wants to have I mean mental clarity we think better we're focused more and uh, yeah it's it's a big shift in people's lives it really is and like I said it just starts with us parents being those examples for our kids and even if they don't start now because I I have four kids my my 16 well he just turned 17 year old he's always had a sweet tooth Mm -hmm. and um, I know just me being the example he's going to transition he actually already has this last year into uh, eating super healthy, working out, because he feels it, and he sees, oh, this is why mom lives this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So even if it doesn't happen in the very beginning, your kids are watching you. They're sponges, right? And so, um, you know, we're in charge of that. We really are. And it's it's just the way it should be. But people just don't know. Adults don't know because they learn from their parents. So we just have to, and you have to want it. You know, a lot of people don't have the desire until they do get sick. Yeah. Did you eat healthy before? I did. Oh, that's awesome. I okay. was, you know, like I said, I was a triathlete. I was on the last stage of my training, which was mm. just running. But I've always been an athlete all my life. And, you know, when, when, it, when it happened, you know, you hear that word and it's like, my God, why? How? Why me? You yeah. know? And you don't understand, but, you know, I don't, I don't know why. You just, you're, you have to change your mindset and just try to, survive and get through and you know I've gone through a lot of transformation you know, I've eliminated a lot of people from my life including family mm. because if you're negative and you bring negativity and I'm trying to grow and heal and progress and so my healers have said you're vibrating on a different level mm-hmm. they can't keep up with you they want to keep you back down and so I, in my mind I have to do like a funeral let them go yeah. and now I'm back you call me, I'll answer the phone. I don't get anxiety anymore when I see your number come. I'm not going to let anybody do that, that to me anymore. Yes. You know, and, that is powerful. And it's hard because you don't want to eliminate people. You want to make new friends. You want to make new acquaintances. Mm-hmm. You want to you meet the people that are on your level and want the same goals for you. Strive for the same things, you know. Yes. Um, but you become your, who you surround yourself with. It is so right. important yes. to surround yourself with people that are on that level because people will want to, yes. you know, pull you down, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's important for us to teach our kids that, too. Yeah. I know when I was younger, I surrounded myself with not good kids, and I did not good stuff when I was younger, too. So it's it's important your whole entire life. Too. I was a good kid. I didn't get in any trouble, and I still got sick. Wow. <laughs> it goes back to what she was saying. Like it's that's part of self care. Yeah. Even you know your friends, your family, like all of that. And I think you know especially as women, like we we forget that we need to take care of ourselves. Like we tend to naturally be caregivers and mm-hmm. put ourselves last. Mm-hmm. And we have to make sure that we take care of ourselves so that we can also be there for everybody else. But I think so that that's do. also a new a new it's evolution. New. Yes. Mm-hmm. I got a call from my daughter a few months ago. She's 27. Mom, how come you didn't teach me anything about self-love? And I'm like, what the hell? Self-love? <laughs> I love you. Yeah. I love myself. Don't you love yourself? And she's like, you never taught me. You and dad did a horrible job. I'm like, okay, well, thank you. Click. Wow. <laughs> and then so we kind of talk about that now. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, when we were growing up, there was no such thing as, you know, I mean, if you if you had self-love and you knew about taking care of yourself, and then that's good for you. You but, live it, you show it. Right. Yeah. That's what yeah. it's all about. Anybody can do this, yeah. but can you actually do it? Yeah. And your kids will feel that from you no matter what. Right, right. Yeah. So it's just funny, all these new labels. Oh, isn't yeah. It? It's so, I know. And they just twist it all, and you're just like, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Yep. Well, I think, too, like how you're talking about they'll watch you eat healthy, right? The whole thing is like your kids are watching. They're watching. Like they they mimic and take in everything that you do. Mm -hmm. And so just like we have to be a good example, you know, I have a thousand things on my plate all the time. And sometimes work has to come first and family, you know, gets shafted sometimes. And I have to tell myself part of the self-care 
okay, I really don't have the time to go do this. I know I need to. And my reasoning for it is I need my daughter to see that she will, it's, you you can't be too busy to take care of you. Yep. So it's the same thing. Like self-care is important. We have to do it. But if you feel like you don't have the time to do it, who's watching you? Yeah. Because just like she's going to watch me eat healthy and exercise, she's going to be paying attention. Well, my mom never left us for an hour to go get a massage. Like, she had to be home. No, I don't have to be home. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to come back in a way better mood and yes, handle you be a better. better. mom, exactly. <laughs> but I need her to see that. I yeah. need her to see that it's yep. okay. Yes. Even though I leave and I feel so guilty, maybe it's not a massage. Maybe it's like a doctor's appointment or getting, you know, putting myself before them. But it it you starts with the example yes. and we have to stop sometimes putting it is our job as females to be the caregiver a lot of times and to take care of everyone our circle our people but we have got to make sure that we are number that, one I, yeah I do I'm sorry that's a lot of women have it reversed like my kids come first I got to be their taxi driver yeah you also have to take care of yourself and sometimes you can't be the taxi driver sorry yeah. you guys I can't take you today yeah like I already have something planned for myself and it doesn't mean that I'm selfish it means I'm actually going to be a better mom right. to you and like you said they're watching so that when they get older oh my goodness I need to take care of myself first because a lot of women lose their self in their children mm -hmm. they do and your kids are gonna be gone one day mm -hmm. you know absolutely so that's that's a big part too yeah one question though I do have I heard can men get breast cancer men can get breast cancer and actually maria and i a couple weekends ago were part um we were able to paint the finish line at the nascar speedway pink for breast cancer awareness oh. and one of the people that came out we had a bunch of survivors come out was a man who is a 28 year breast cancer survivor wow so their numbers are, are vastly different mm -hmm. obviously um so like for example in the state of nevada Pretty, just shy of 2,600 cases of breast cancer in 2022 are expected to be diagnosed. Mm. And it's probably around two to 300 for men. So vastly different wow. numbers, but it can happen. So. That's crazy. Yeah. I never really knew. I mean, they technically heard, still have breasts. Yeah, yeah. So why so, not? Yep. So they just can, not yeah. as high as. Not as high. Yeah. yeah. Do you know any statistics on Nevada? Are there more cases here than other states like California or Utah or Arizona or? Um, off the top of my head, no. But actually on the cancer.org website, there is a cancer statistics center. So if anybody is a numbers person like I, like I will get lost in that website. So you can look per state. So in, in Nevada, breast cancer is our highest diagnosed cancer. Um, but, you know, for women across the country, it's, there's a few skin cancers that are, are more of the you know the cancer diagnoses you can do it by cancer type you can do it by age group you can look at race and ethnicity so i mean they break it down in a lot of ways um it is a great resource i don't have that number off the top of my head um but it, yeah it's it's there because every once in a while i'll go in and just play around in the numbers i'll be like "Ooh, this isn't a good look for us so like and unfortunately in nevada we are behind the the national average for cancer screenings every year so for mammograms so uh you know we're doing a we're not doing a great job here getting our screenings in this state um and you know and there's areas where i think they're trying to improve that so i know um some of the health centers in the area have what's called a mamma van so it's like a, a giant van that, where yeah. they do them you oh, can walk wow. in and they'll do your mammogram <laughs> that's cool so they'll go to rural areas where maybe they don't have access to mm -hmm. a doctor easily and if you don't have transportation and it's an hour plus drive yeah. it's a lot harder um they'll do it for low income no income no uninsured people as well so that's an option for that's some really people neat. um and then, you know, for those that are in treatment, we have a road to recovery program. So we have volunteer drivers that will take people to and from their appointments. Wow. So, you know, if you you went through it, if you're missing your appointments, it's going to take a lot longer to get better. You yes. can't miss So just looking yeah. at ways, yeah, you can't miss. Like it sets everything off. So, you know, just trying to, to hit some of those burdens. I think, you know, one of the positives that came out of this pandemic was an increase in virtual healthcare. And sometimes it's hard, you know, if you don't have transportation and you need to get to a doctor's appointment. I had an earache and I'm like, I don't, I'm not gonna try to wait three weeks. Like I'll talk to a doctor on a video call and get, you know, an eardrop, ear, eardrop prescription. 
So, you know, those pieces, I think, are help removing some of those barriers to healthcare, And I think that's going to make a difference, too. Yeah, that's really neat that that option is out there. I had no idea. Um, but let's talk about this amazing event that you're hosting yes. this Sunday, October 30th from 7 to 10. Yes. Um, and it's right by pretty close to my store. I'm really excited to be a part of it. We've yes. actually raised uh, $1,150 and then each uh, $50 donation, we're, we're giving a t-shirt too that we made oh. for them. Oh, that's and awesome. we're bringing a bunch of healthy treats to share with everybody. Yes. So um, tell me, how many people do you expect? So we, uh, last year we had probably about 12,000 people that came. So wow. we're expecting this year to be bigger. Um, last year, like I think there was still some hesitation. We, even though it was outdoors, we were still asking people to wear masks. Uh, but just on the volunteer side alone, like we, we have over 300 people that have asked wow. to volunteer for the walk. Awesome. So it is a nice short three mile walk mm-hmm. um, down Charleston Boulevard and back. It starts at Red Rock Casino. And we have a bunch of sponsors. You'll be there that'll have a bunch of goodies. We'll have some entertainment, a great DJ. And the SWAT guys will be there. So if anybody wants their photos with SWAT, they'll be there. Um, And um, they have a giant pink fire truck that comes out. And people can sign it, um, you know, kind of in honor of someone. And and, uh, we have a wall of hope where people can dedicate things to those they've lost or those who are fighting their battle. Mm -hmm. So it is, you know, I always tell everybody, I was like, it's an emotional roller coaster. But it is amazing. Like, we get to celebrate our survivors. We get to honor those we lost. Mm-hmm. And we get to be there for the people that are currently fighting. And, you know, like, I, you spend the day just talking to people and hearing their story. Like, most cancer survivors are so proud of the fact that they're still here. And they will tell you whatever you want to hear about their story. And, like, we have two people who are coming to this walk. And they are a mother and daughter. And the mom is a survivor and the daughter is currently undergoing treatment for breast mm-hmm. cancer. And she sent a picture. She's like, hey, this is you know me and my daughter when I was going through my treatment and now here's us when she's going through hers. Wow. And like, you get that and you see that. And I was like, I'm not gonna cry, I'm not yeah. gonna cry. And you know, like we, we always joke, I was like, we go through a ton of tissues and a ton of emotion, but you know, we get 15 to 20,000 people there to just celebrate and help raise awareness and help make a difference for people fighting cancer. And it's phenomenal. Amazing. And it's, there's oh, a ton neat. of pink, it's a sea of pink <laughs> that day. And it's great. I'm excited to be a part of it. And what's your goal? I mean, do you have a goal of what you want to raise that day? So we do. So our goal, like we're kind of rebuilding from the pandemic. So prior to the pandemic, this event raised about 900,000. Wow. Um, so this year, we're, I think we're trying to get closer to 400,000 and just kind of build it back up. Yeah, yeah. So. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. I mean, in between sponsors and fundraisers, like it is, it is amazing to see the community come together for yeah, this. Yeah, and everybody just connecting and hearing yeah. each other. That's yeah. It's building new friendships, you right? Know? It's amazing. Yeah. Just meeting you guys been yeah. really cool. Yeah. So yeah. I want to thank you, ladies, for being thank a part you. of this and hearing your story. Wow, amazing! And um, meeting you as well, and yeah. Candice, you're awesome. I went to her gym. You guys, if you live here, she does <laughs> a kickboxing gym. She owns it. It's called Evolve, and it just has the best energy in there. I loved watching what she does for people and. They just get to go to her space and let it all out and just have that happy space. I mean, you walk out just feeling so good. We actually have uh, three members right now who have cancer who will come to class. I've got one that will come to class after chemo. And it's just, she just needs a place. It's just just a place for her to be surrounded by support. But we've we've got several members who are trying to fight together, so... We appreciate what what you're doing for sure. Oh, thank you. If yeah. you or they ever need resources, even our like screening guidelines, just let me know. Like we have a ton of ton of information that we can share. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're all gonna stick together, and uh, I appreciate you all coming. And we'll see you on Sunday. Yay! Thank okay. you. We'll see you on Thanks Sunday. So much. All right. <laughs>